0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Friends, uh, welcome to today's class. Uh, It's a memory of my dear father. I remember, you know, today I was walking down the streets of Yerushalayim, Mirakodesh. So lucky. How many people can say they walk down the streets of Yerushalayim, Mirakodesh? So, Baruch Hashem, I was walking down today the streets of Yerushalayim, Mirakodesh, and I was thinking about my father, and I said, you know, my father, he was always talking about moving to Israel. He was always talking about moving to Israel. His brother moved to Israel in 1948. His only brother moved to Israel in 1948. And uh, he was always talking about going to Israel, moving to Israel. Well, I'm thinking, I'm living my father's dream. I'm walking down the streets of and My father would be so happy. Bezradoshim, hopefully, he's watching me.
1: And I'm living his
0: dreams. I'm living, I'm walking in his shoes. Bezradoshim, I'm walking in his shoes. Two things my father really loved is Eretz Israel the land of Israel, and also the Torah. So I feel so fortunate, Baruch Hashem, he loved the Torah, his spare minutes was reading Tehillim, Book of Psalms, and learning Torah, and how to read the Torah because he would teach Bar Mitzvah classes. So two things he loved, uh, one is Israel, one is the Torah, and I feel so fortunate that I'm living his dream, Baruch Hashem, I'm in Eretz Israel, learning Torah, teaching Torah Israel, Hashem, only good things. And it should be my marriage, my father, whose the other side is this uh, Tuesday night, this Tuesday night coming, is Yardside. Yacheskal Azra Baruch Ben Simchat should have an aliyah. His rabbis his should have an aliyah. Anyway, you know, it's interesting that um, we all live in our fathers and our mothers' footsteps. We all follow in their footsteps in a sense. And we are the tikkun, their tikkun. We have to remember that. We are the tikkun for our parents. And we are the tikkun for our grandparents and so on until, you know, all our ancestors. We are the tikkun for our ancestors. We have to remember that. We it all rests on our shoulders. We're going to talk about that, that everything goes by the end, the Rav says, everything goes by the ending. If we are the ending of them, then everything goes by our ending. Our ending is so important. We're going to see this in this week's parasha. There's very important messages in the parasha. Um, and this parasha is all about, basically about the clothes of the Kohanim, the clothes of the Kohanim, the garments of the Qanim, which is, in effect, their official Uniform. And that's interesting because we don't think about this. What does Judaism say about uniforms? And Judaism says uniforms are very, very important. And where do we see this in the Beit Hamikdash? Everyone who served in the Beit Hamikdash, the kohanim, who served in the Beit HaMikdash, had to wear a uniform. And a regular kohen wore four garments, and uh, kohen gadol had eight garments. So the regular kohanim wore four garments, and all white linen, all pure white linen. You would see the kohanim in the Beit Hamikdash. Pure white linen. And Arun Akohen, he had colored garments. He had very spectacularly colored garments, beautiful garments, eight garments. In addition to the four garments of the of the regular coin, he had four extra garments, special garments. What was the tzitz, which the gold plate with God's name written on it? And uh the tzitz, that was the tzitz, a gold plate, and he had a special hat. Yeah, the regular coin had hats, but he had a special hat. And He had a breastplate, which was gorgeous, 12 different stones. He had an ephod which was like an apron. And he had on top of the apron, he had two stones, six tribes on each stone, written on the stone, six tribes. On his breastplate, he had 12 tribes written on 12 different precious stones, beautiful stones. And he also had his uh, tunic, mi'il, which is a beautiful techelet, beautiful gold, pure, I mean, sorry, blue techelet. Meil, beautiful blue, uh, beautiful, uh, uh, his uh, coat was a beautiful gold, it was a tunic, meal was a tunic, beautiful uh, blue, techelet, uh, pure sky blue t- uh, tunic, and on the bottom of the tunic were, were bells, golden bells, you know, in fact, in pomegranates, bells and pomegranates, the pomegranates were actually made of uh, cloth, they were made of wool, and the gold, obviously the gold bells, so... Wherever he went, he had bells. Come out, you hear the Kohenim coming. The Kohen Gadot would come. How would you know he was coming? Gold bells, jingle bells. He, that was the real jingle bells. The real jingle bells were the high priest and the Benedict Dash. He had bells wide, just like we put bells today on the Sephardic Torah. Have you ever seen a Sephardic Torah on the Rimonim? There are bells. What's the idea of the bells? The bells are to tell you important entrance. Something important is coming. And when you hear those bells, you are got to know you have to stand up and give honor. And the same thing applies to the Kohen Gadol. When you hear his bells coming, you know the Kohen is coming. And you can hear it from, I don't know how far away you can hear those bells. Tinkle, tinkle, tinkle. And wake, wake up, stand up. The Kohen Gadol is coming. The high priest is coming, Baruch Hashem. And everyone will stand up. But it's interesting, those bells also played a role because he had to announce his presence into God's chamber. The Holy of Holies, the high priest when Yom Kippur had to have bells on his clothes, because it's kabod. When you, before you go in somewhere, you should ring the bell. Knock on the door, ring the bell. It's etiquette. It's pure etiquette. And we learn this etiquette from the, no one less than the high priest. That before you go into a room, before you go even into your own house, the Talmud says, you have to ring the bell or knock on the door, make a noise, so that people who are doing things that they shouldn't be doing will quickly stop doing what they're doing, and they won't get embarrassed when you walk in. So it's very, very important to knock on a door before you go in. Don't just burst into a room. Don't just burst into the house. It's very important. Knock on the door. Make some noise before you go in. We learned from the Gadol He had to make a noise when he goes in. Now, what's interesting as well is he had to make a noise when he left the room. Now That's very fascinating. Not only does he have to announce his presence when he's going in, but the Torah says when he leaves the Holy of Holies, he also has to make a noise. His bells make a noise when he goes in, and the bells make a noise when he goes out. I just want to quote to you this passage, this verse in this week's parashah. And you'll hear his noise, his voice, which is the voice of the bells, when he goes into the holy place before Hashem, when he comes out. Okay, this is a very interesting passage. Have a look at it. Chapter 30, um, chapter 33, sorry, 28, 33. He goes into God's house, the bells are ringing, he comes out of God's house, the bells are ringing. Now why does it tell us, okay, I can understand, before you go in somewhere, you've got to ring the bell. But there's no halakha that says when you leave, you have to ring the bell. What's going on? Why do you have to ring the bell when you go in? Why does his bells have to ring when he goes into God's house? And why does the bells have to ring when he comes out of God's house? And there's a beautiful idea over here, and this is brought down by the brother of the vulegaon. The had also a great brother. <laughs> it's interesting. The Vuldegon's brother was also so great, even though we never heard about his brother. No one's heard much about his brother. So his brother wrote a commentary. And his book called Ma'alot HaTorah, the Steps to the Torah, the Steps of the Torah, he teaches us a very important rule. Now, he says this in the name of his brother, the, the Vildegar, but it's found in other Rishonim as well. It's found in other commentaries as well. It's an idea that opens up for us a panorama of opportunities, a panorama of opportunities. He says, okay, so the bells ring when you go in, and the bells ring when you come out. Why? And he says, this should guide us in our daily lives. How do you apply this idea to our daily lives? Bells ring when I go in, when the bells ring when I come out. So the answer is the Torah is teaching something, not just for the Kohen Gadol, and not just for the Mishkan, the sanctuary, but for each one of us who wants to come into the service of God. When Hashem tells the Kohen upon completion of the service in the sanctuary, you have to depart in the same way you came in. And what do the bells ringing mean? Hey, I'm coming in. Please, Hashem, don't get angry. I'm announcing my presence. I'm coming in with trepidation. I'm coming in with fear. I'm coming into God's presence. And the brother of the says, when he comes in with trepidation, his bells are ringing. Yes, to leave with the same trepidation and enthusiasm as when he came in. In other words, when you start a mitzvah, you're gung-ho, enthusiastic. When you leave the mitzvah, it's got to leave it the same way. And we can apply this to everything in our life. When you do a mitzvah, when you pray to Hashem, when you wear your talit, and you wear tefillin, and you pray, you should leave the prayers the same way you came in, the same enthusiasm. Hopefully you start your prayers and you wait to fill in with enthusiasm. And also when you leave, you should do it with enthusiasm. In other words, don't let that fire leave you and say, you know what? I have 10 minutes more. I got to pray. It's a drag. I'll wait. What can I do? I'll leave early. No, the person's got to leave with the same way we came in. We have to leave. Now this is, there's a few ideas over here because it's one of the weaknesses of human nature that even when a person invests energy, and thought into a mitzvah, or any service of Hashem, where well, he doesn't, when he comes to the end, and is about to return to his regular self, the idealism goes away. It's lessened. And he doesn't keep the same enthusiasm. But the Torah here is telling us, that's not the way to serve Hashem in holiness. The way you come in, the way you start the mitzvah, that's the way you should end the mitzvah as well. If you look forward to Shabbat, let me give you an example. If you look forward to Shabbat, and personally enthusiastic, you know, I can't wait for Shabbat. You know why? Because I get to rest, I get to eat good food, I get to go to shul, I get spiritual so I spend time with my family—all the good things we know about Shabbat. But when a Shabbat is leaving, sometimes people say, "Oh, it's tedious, it's monotonous." I'm so looking forward to my Motze Shabbat. I don't know where where I'm going. I'm going to do this, going to do that. I got so many things to do. I'm looking at the clock, when is Shabbat over? I and mean, I ask my, my family, my wife, my, my, my children, when is Shabbat over? When is Shabbat over? That is the opposite of what we're talking about. And that's something we have to learn from this pasuk. We have this verse. The bell's going to ring when he comes in. The bell's going to ring when it comes out. The enthusiasm and the awe of Hashem has to be the same when you start the mitzvah and when you end the mitzvah. And let's I'm going to give some examples of this. and One of them is, when you look at go to shul, I'll give an example of you walk to shul today, you look around, and you'll notice that people come late at the beginning and some people come late in the end. You know, uh, one of the things is a person should, the Gemara said, a person should always be the first in and last out. Okay. First in, Philo. First in, last out, Philo. First in, last out, not last in, last out. Okay. So it's a very important idea. First in fast. And it was come with enthusiasm. David Omer says in Psalms, I will go to the house of God. But what's Ragesh? Enthusiasm, I'll run. You know, the little bit to run. The last few steps to the Shul. And I see these old people today. I mean, I don't do it myself. I'm, I get into that age, I guess. But you see these people coming to Shul and last few steps, they're running to the Shul because based on King David, King David would go to the Shul. He said, it's Beit Hashem. He would go to the temple, the Bedemitash. Well, there was no Benimidash to the sanctuary or wherever it was in those days, and he would go and he would run those last steps ragish. Some people you know heard a beautiful explanation. Someone told me last week. Baragish means it was raining, it was pouring it was rain in your shalimer Kodish, and this old man, a uh, guy who learns uh, in my yeshiva over there. He came to me and says, You know, Baragish stands for Barad, Hail, uh, stands for ruach in wind, gimel stands for uh Geshem and Shin stands for Shem. You go to uh, with Hashem's house, doesn't matter what the weather's like. You have to go to Hashem's house with ragesh with that, with with grace, with enthusiasm, with fire. We're going to go to the house with fire. So you see them coming to Shul, they come in with fire. Or are they leaving, they're leaving like, you know, their tail between their legs. In other words, I want to leave. I can't I leave too much already. I want to leave as soon as possible. So it's very important that a person should come in. With enthusiasm and leave slowly, but also with enthusiasm. I'm here in God's house. There's no rush. I'll say an extra psalm. Uh, you know, today we're saying two extra psalms every single day. The son of God, the Shira Malots, to pray for the soldier's victory in Israel. But it's and I feel it in my bones. I feel the victory is coming very soon. it's We'll get the hostages back. The war will be over. Hamas will be gone. I mean, this is our dream. And we're saying two extra psalms every day. Who knows I value? Two extra psalms every day in God's eyes. And it takes a bit longer, but you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it. So a person should start with a bang and finish with a bang. The answer is the end is also important for us. Nothing is little when you're serving Hashem. When a person is serving God, nothing is little. So there's no such thing as, well, the beginning was good. <laughs> because when it comes to serving Hashem, nothing is just an end. There's no room for slacking off. That's the trouble. That's our problem. The problem is, because person starts off with a bang and then they slack off. You now, that's what—that's what, that's exactly what the pastor is talking about. Don't slack off at the end. When you finish the Shemona Estray, don't go back so fast and run forward three steps back, three steps forward. No. Take your time. Finish slowly and show that your enthusiasm I want to stay here. I want to serve Hashem more. It's very important. First and last out. you know, they go to shul. Leaving Shabbat, we talked about make Havdalah great again. You know, we have a phrase, make America great again. Make Havdalah great again. Let's make our Havdalah. The Jewish nation is not not just about coming quickly, going, doing mitzvah quickly. You know, bringing Shabbat in the whole world, bringing Shabbat 18 minutes early. The Minhag of Yushalayim is... Bring in Shabbat 40 minutes early. 40 minutes early. That's the old Ashkenazi minhag in, in Yushalayim. Okay, some Sephardim keep it, some Sephardim don't, but it's a beautiful minhag. I'll try to keep it as well. 40 minutes early, bring in Shabbat. A person who's quick to do a mitzvah is going to do it quick, so it's quick to grasp the mitzvah of Shabbat. Imagine bringing Shabbat in 40 minutes early to show, I can't get enough of Shabbat. And what about when Shabbat goes out? Whether Shabbat goes out, (laughs) there's a regular minhag. uh, You know, it goes out 40 minutes after sunset. And then there's Rabbeinu Tam, 72 minutes after sunset. Oh, boy. So, you know what? Make Havdalah great again. So, keep Shabbat, bring it in early. Enthusiasm in the beginning, but there's also enthusiasm at the end. Keep those bells ringing when you're going into the house of God. To keep the bells ringing when you come out of the house of God. When Shabbat is over, Havdalah is mitzvah from the Torah going to Rambam. Rambam says Havdalah just like Kiddush. Zachorat yom ha-shabbat remember Shabbat to make it holy. We sanctify Shabbat at the beginning, and Rambam says we sanctify Shabbat at the end. How do we sanctify Shabbat at the end? Havdalah is a reverse Kiddush. We're sanctifying Shabbat when it comes in, and we're sanctifying Shabbat at the end. We're saying it separates from the holy. And the profane. The weekday is coming. Shabbat is holy. So it's sanctifying Shabbat when it goes out as well. And make Havdalah great again. That's a great line. Love that line. Make Havdalah great again. Um, and same thing with Yom Tov, right? Enjoy Yom Tov, even though it's so hard, especially outside Israel. Outside Israel, it really is uh, one of the things, you know, I want to move to Israel. Two nights of Seder. Wow. Can you imagine? My wife says, thank God we're in Israel. You know, one night of Seder. It. <laughs> it's a big difference. But you know what? If you're doing one night or two nights, do it with enthusiasm. Do it with enthusiasm, even though we finish late and it's such a lot of work. Pesach is such a lot of work. Do it when the bells are ringing when it comes in, and the bells are ringing when it goes up. There's rubbish, we do it with enthusiasm. And then Hag. very important. Hag. people don't know about Isruhag. Hag Isruha means the day after the Yom Tov. The day after the Yom Tov, eat something good. It's a mitzvah. Hag is the day after Yom Tov, just to keep that aura going. Keep the aura going of the on into your holidays, into your into your daily lives. Very, very important idea. But I want to tell you something. amazing Rambam. This is amazing Rambam. I, I saw this Rambam today. Rabbi uh, Miller brings this down. the Miller, amazing, amazing. the Miller was an amazing man. And you know, his my mother loved his. She would in those days to buy cassettes. Remember the old cassettes? called well, these old, old so fashioned. You imagine know, cassettes. My mother would buy every single tape that he would produce. She would love it. She would put it on and listen to him all day long. Who are you listening to? Avigda Miller. She, La- she came to America. She says, take me to see Rabbi victor Miller. So I said, wow, how am I going to get in to see Rabbi Victor Miller? So listen, I did a mitzvah. I took her to Brooklyn. Rabbi Miller lives on Ocean Parkway across from yon For those who know her, Ocean Parkway. And uh, it's a small little shul. He has a little shul, little tiny shul. And who do we see outside the shul? Rabbi Avigdor Miller. This is my mother, Siata Deshmach. She had help from heaven. And we, I tell my, my Rabbi Avigdor Miller, this is my mother. She's one of your biggest fans. Can you give her a bracha? And he, he was so nice. He was so humble. And yeah, he, shmooze, he talked to us and he gave her a bracha. Baruch Hashem. But this is an idea. Rabbi Avikda Miller points out this rambam. It's an amazing rambam. It's the first time I've seen this rambam. I think you know I've read a lot of Rambam. Here's a Rambam I didn't know about. It's a Rambam, and it's Perush Hamishnah or Avod. And the Rambam says, and this is this blows blows my mind. i tell you this. This Rambam blows my mind. And it's a powerful, a very powerful message. The Rambam says, Avod, chapter four, Mishnah 17. This is a Rambam Mishnah the commentary on the Mishnah. You can find the back of every Gemara commentary on the Mishnah. Rambam's commentary on the Mishnah, you can look it up. And Chapter 4, Mishnah 17, it says, and it makes it there a very important statement. And if we take them to heart, we'll be inspired never to let go, to finish as we started. Idealism, education, always, Ramos says, listen to this, when a person dies, Mm -hmm. his last moment on life, that's how he'll remain or she will remain forever. Last moment of life is the way we will remain forever. Oh, gosh. Imagine, if a person dies on a high note in his life. He says, Shema Israel, Hashem, and Hashem, that way every single Jew has to go. That's the best way to go. He's going to stay the rest for immortality. Shema Israel, Hashem, you are one. I believe in you and you are the greatest that I receive upon myself, the yoke of heaven. It's gonna go with him into the next world, that idea, that thought, it will remain with him forever and forever. So you won't only be judged on what you accomplished. The person will be judged on what you, how you die, how, what the last thought the person said, what they're doing when they've, they're finished. No one knows what, what, when we're gonna go. We don't know when the time is up, but when the time is up, we should all be doing the right thing. When the time is up, we should all be thinking holy thoughts, and uh, having God in our minds, it's rather we, we judge not just on what we accomplish, but also how we go. That's amazing, Rambam. You know, this is terrifying. So the time we're going to go, we don't know when we're going to go. There's terrorists all over. It doesn't make a difference where you are, where you're living. It's dangerous everywhere today.
1: Uh, Law and orders
0: falling away by the wayside, plus uh, sickness all kinds of things. The person doesn't know when they're going to go. We don't know. There's an expiration date, as Dr. Abu used to say. A person is born with an expiration date. We don't know what that date is. It could be any time. That's why a person is going to be ready. And being ready is that last second. We don't know when it is. We're judged at the end as well. It's in other words, let me give you an example. If you're a potter and you're making something, vessels, and you made a lot of vessels that day, but the last few minutes, that last vessel, you didn't have any time or effort or energy to, to finish it off. I can imagine now that the bell goes, and you're in the middle of this vessel, and the vessel is just a disaster. Hashem says, that's the last minute on your in the life. That's how it's going to be in the next millions of years. Oh, boy. That is a scary rumble. It scared me today. I just, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, Hashem is merciful. Hashem will bear a joy. But that's what David Amelk says. David Amelk says. King David says in Psalms, Psalm 46, verse 2, Hashem <speaking in Hebrew> Hashem let me praise God during my lifetime. Let us praise God during our lifetime. And that's what David Amelech does at the end of his life. All he does all day long He's praising God. And now when David Amelech was approaching old age, some might have said to him, listen, you did a great job, David. All you have to do now is just relax. You've done work all your life. You praise God like no one else. You wrote all these Psalms, 150-odd Psalms, and like it says, just lean back and relax, as it says in the taxi. Lean back and relax. Enjoy the ride for the rest of your life. You did so much already. Oh, no, David Amirah says. I'll sing to Hashem as long as I'm still around. I'll sing to Hashem as long as I'm still around, because that's what's important. David Amirah knows what's important. Praise God while you're still around. Make use of that time. Don't waste the time. Make the ends great. You know, David Amelech was sick in the old age. He covered him with blankets and he wouldn't get hot. He was freezing. He was cold all the time. And yet he never stopped singing. You know, when I came to Highland Park in the, in the old days, it was in the, what is it, 90s, early 90s. And there was a Hazan. Hazan was a volunteer. He was uh, born into the shul. His name was Robert Face, Bob Face. Everyone knows you go to the old timers. And Albert's watching Albert, Bob Face, uh, uh, the, he was a Khazan, a voluntary Khazan. I used to go and visit him. He was an old man, he was in the 90s. He was in his 90s, he walk with a stick and a walker. And Bob Face, I used to go and visit him in the summertime. You know what he was doing in the summertime? In July, August, those hot days, sitting on his porch. He was practicing the, the Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur prayers. Imagine, imagine he's doing this all his life. And he's 90-odd. He knows these prayers probably by heart. And he's practicing those prayers for Yom Kippur, for Rosh Hashanah. He's practicing. And you know what? When he was sick in hospital, go visit him. And you know what he was doing in the hospital? He was singing the songs that he sang on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. He was singing. That was his life. His life was to be a chazan and sing the tunes and know the prayers backwards and forwards. So he wouldn't make mistakes. He had a beautiful voice. Despite his age, his voice was clear and sweet. And um, that's how he died. I spoke to the nurse. The nurse says he died singing. He died singing. Imagine what a way to go. Died singing the praises of God just like King David. Allah I'll praise God in my, in my lifetime. Um, I'll sing, sing praises when I'm still alive. So and we will be successful. The coin comes in. The bells are ringing. When we leave, the bells we be ringing. Just like when we come in, we should, the bells should be ringing. So we should leave, and the world also, the bells should be ringing. Our bells are enthusiasm. You go to shul with enthusiasm. Come out to shul with enthusiasm. Shabbat comes in with enthusiasm. Shabbat should go out also with enthusiasm. Remember, make Havdalah great. Let's make Havdalah great again. Now, this week's parasha, we said it's interesting. There's one parasha. After Moshe Rabbeinu is born... That does not mention his name. There's only one parasha in the whole Torah after his birth, which is in, in Shemot, we don't, doesn't mention his name anywhere. It's the only parasha in the whole Torah after his birth that we don't mention his name. Tetzaveh, this week's parasha, Tetzaveh does not mention Moshe Rabbeinu's name. Now it's interesting that we have to think about his name and what does it mean and why is his name not mentioned this week's Parasha. So it says, next week's parasha. Now, it's interesting because certain things in the Torah are not in sync. They're not in order. Certain. There's a whole big debate between Rashi and Rabban. Are all the events in the Torah in order or not? I'm not going to go into that debate. But here we see that they're not in order. Why? Because over here, his name is not mentioned. The rabbis say, why is his name not mentioned? Because in next week's parashah, the Jews are going to send the again. And when the Jews sin at the golden calf, Hashem really gets upset. It took them out of Egypt. And despite the fact that the, the rabbi say, you know, it was, it was the Am. Um, 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 your nation, Hashem tells them sin, your nation. The rabbi say, when he ever says the word Am, um, one nation, it's not talking about the Jews, it's talking about the Erev rav. And even though the Erev Rab uh, is the ones who, who sinned with the golden calf, nevertheless, the Jews were blamed. They were there watching. Some of them joined in, but and so Hashem is really upset. He says, Hashem, get away. Leave me alone. I'm going to destroy them all. Karanga! In one second, I'm going to destroy all these Jews. I'm going to wipe them out. And Moshe Abedin says, If you wipe them out, Hashem, raise my name from the book, from your book. <muché nina m'sifrecha> Next week's A lot of things to talk about. Next week's parasha. This week's parasha. Hashem says, Okay. I am changing my mind. Moshe <coughs> to praise in the Mary of the forefathers. He says the thirteen attributes of of, of mercy, and what will the well, three things he does? And we're going to talk about next week the three most powerful prayers. What will the Goyim say? You are going to kill us, destroy us and then, you know, in the desert. They're going to say you are not capable of bringing the, the nation to Israel. Three major ideas of prayers. Number one is what will the nation say? Now, number three, what will the nation say? We're going to see that today. Today's tremendous Chilin Hashem. If the Israelis are massacred, if Jews are massacred, it's a tremendous Chilin It's a desecration of God's name. The Second World War Holocaust was a desecration of God's name. We have to sanctify God's name. When Jews are victorious, it sanctifies God's name. Hashem, please, have mercy on us right now. Number two is the 13 attributes, which we say every day. Ashtarim, we say it three a twice a day, Shacharit, the 13 attributes of God. Be'avor Hashem al-panah Hashem, Hashem, right? All the 13 attributes. And number three is the merit of our forefathers. Hashem should remember the merit of our forefathers, Abraham Sabi Yaakov. And remember these forefathers and their and their wives and their merits, so we should be saved. But rather, Hashem we should replied today, just like I applied then. Anyway, Moshra ben praise You don't forgive the Jews for this sin. Erase my name from the book. And the and the Gemara says, okay. Hashem says, Okay, I'm gonna erase your name. I'm going to raise a name not from the whole book i'm going to raise a name from one parasha okay one parasha and it's this week's parasha no name of moshe in this book no name of moshe and this parasha Tetzaveh is the only parasha after his birth that he is not mentioned He's mentioned every single parasha the whole torah revolves around moshe why he wrote the torah he was the lawgiver he was our leader he was our army general people don't realize that he was the priest also, as well as Aaron. He used to go in whenever he wanted. He could be the priest in the, in the Mishkan. He was a priest before Aaron was the priest. He was serving, it says, those eight days where the Mishkan was dedicated and on Rosh Chodesh, uh, Nisan, and he was serving in that time before Aaron, imagine. So he was everything. Moshe Rabbeinu was an all-rounder. He was a spiritual prophet like no other prophet. He was a general who, who commanded the army, the Israeli army, against the Amalek and against the, all the nations from when we crossed the, we didn't cross the Jordan. Before we crossed the Jordan, against um, uh, the two big kings, Sihon, Melech HaMari and Ogmelech HaBashan, Moshe Rabbeinu was the general. So we have to remember that Moshe Rabbeinu is an all-rounder. I wish we had leaders like that today. All-rounder, big rabbis, generals, prophets, whatever you want. Moshe Rabbeinu was everything. He was everything. All in one. He was the judge. He's the head of the Sanhedrin. I mean, this, we can't even imagine what it's like to have a, a halavai. We'll see him again. When he comes back, we'll see him. all the people will come back. All the tikhatametim, all the Sadiqim will come back. We'll see all these great people around us. It's really, it's it's going to be mind boggling. You know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. All the kids I teach, I tell them, wow, I'm looking forward to it. And they say, you know what, we're also looking forward to it. It's really exciting to think about, you know, we're going to see these great people. We're going to see David Amelef, Shlomo Amelef. all these great people. We're going to see them. Okay, so. Hashem gets angry with Moshe Benu, and he raises his name from this week's parasha. What's the name? What's the name of Moshe gonna be erased for? What's what's going on over here? What's what's Moshe Bainu's name so important that all of a sudden it's erased? Okay, so what is Moshe Abeinu? Raise my name from your book. Let's what's the print quo quo? Print pro quo. The quid pro quo, let's try and get it right. The quid pro quo. Moshe Rabbeinu says, if you're going to destroy the Jews, erase my name. What's the connection? Destroying Jews and erasing Moshe Rabbeinu. What is the connection over here? What does Moshe Rabbeinu's name mean? Ah, That's the important point. What does Moshe Rabbeinu's name mean? And the answer is, who named Moshe Rabbeinu Moshe? Who gave him his name? Moses, where did it come from? And the answer is, it came from a very special woman. Moshe Rabbeinu's name came from one of the most special women. I wish I knew this woman her name was Bitya, or Batya, some people say, but it's Bitya. The Torah says Bitya, the daughter of God. She was not the daughter of God. She was the daughter of Pharaoh who converted to Judaism. Amazing. The daughter of Pharaoh hated Jews. This is one of the ironies. This is one of God's sense of humor. You see God's sense of humor in, in history. You see a lot of uh, people converted. The uh, children of Nazis from Germany, you see them coming to Yisraeli and converting. Well, before my day, but they did. A lot of people came and converted Nazi uh, descendants. Imagine, the biggest Nazi was hit was Hitler. He never had kids. Baruch Hashem. That was his biggest uh, reward. He never had any progeny. He never. There's no future. And, but we do have children. Baruch Hashem. We have progeny. We have a future. But it's and that's what Bitya, Bitya became, the daughter of God. The daughter of Pharaoh, the biggest anti-Semite. She becomes the daughter of God. What a What an elevation. Think about her growth. Think about this woman from the daughter of Pharaoh, the evil man. Daughter of God. Amazing. So she names Moshe. What does Moshe mean? I took him out. I dragged him out of the water. What does that mean? I rescued Moshe. I pulled him out of the water. What does his name mean? He is now the puller of other people. He is the rescuer of other people. He says, Hashem, he says, you're going to destroy the Jews. Erase my name from, from your book, because my name means the rescuer. If I'm the rescuer and the rescued are being killed by you, erase my name. I'm not a rescuer anymore. Erase my name from the book. Moshe should not. His name is to rescue others. I was pulled from the water, and my job is to pull the Jews. Literally, pull them out the of the water of the Red sea, Red sea. And he's the puller. He is the defender of the Jews. He is the savior of the Jews. And that's the connection over here between his name being erased. And so a very beautiful idea. So Moshe Rabbeinu, he did all these miracles, these amazing wonders. And he prepared this. He was the savior in a sense. He brought God to save uh, Israel. And he was saved. And he's our savior. He was the savior. So beautiful, this idea. Erase my name. Why? Because my name means savior. And if I'm not the savior, you raise my name. It doesn't make sense I have to say Okay. So, okay. So let's move on. Now, I've got a beautiful idea of you. This is an amazing idea. We know this Moshe Rabbeinu and Miriam, the three were these great dynamic spiritual individuals and their greatness was their love for each other. The greatness of Moshe, Miriam, and Aaron was their love and consideration for each other. Something which we have to internalize, or which we could love our brothers and sisters. We have to, we have to, we have to learn how to do this. If we can't, if we don't do it already. We have to start working on it. Love our brothers and sisters. Now, by extension, every single Jew is our brother and sister. We have to know that. So we have to love Am Yisrael. We have to love Ah, It's called Avad ah, Yisrael, and no one had Avad ah, Israel more than Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam, and they started practicing on their own family that's what we have to do we start practicing in our own families if you can't love your brothers if you can't love your sister how can you love others if you can't love your spouse that's next in line. to love our spouses to love our children yes i mean that's that's more natural loving our children loving grandchildren but loving everyone around us and that is the key in this week's parasha the unspoken message in this week's parasha is loving one's brother and one sister, and not bearing jealousy, not being jealous. Now, obviously, we know, not being jealous. The Ten Commandments, Lo Taveh, uh, Tachmod, uh, two different versions in the, in the Ten Commandments or the Ten Sayings. And but it's so important. And where do we see this? Okay, let's see. One of the garments the Kohen Gadol wore was the Hoshem. The Choshen was the breastplate. We said twelve stones, the names of the tribes of Israel. And uh, 12 sons of of Jacob, 12 sons of Jacob. Okay, so 12 sons of Jacob on the breastplate. And it says inside the breastplate, now people don't know this, that the breastplate was like a pouch. It was made of cloth, made of woven material, beautiful red, blue, different colors, woven material, but it was folded over. And folded over, but inside the pouch was a special parchment. It's called the Urim Betumim. The Urim Betumim was a parchment with God's name that we don't even know. It's a special name of God. It was the name of God that could perform miracles. And that's something which is inside the pouch. This Hoshem Mishpat, the Hoshem, with these 12 stones on the outside, inside was the, inside the pouch were the beautiful God's names. These names of God called the Urim Betumim and it says when a person wanted to know what to do, when the king wanted to know what to do, the son Henry wanted to know what to do, they would ask the high priest to communicate with God and God would communicate back through these stones. It would light up. Can you imagine those days before electricity, before knowing about electricity, have divine power, divine energy. The stones would light up and all the stones were the names of the tribes and the letters would light up, spelling out certain words. And that's how Hashem communicated with the high priest. Beautiful idea. So in between they were powered by these names of God. Now, in the Second Temple period, it says we had the hoshen. They had this uh, hoshen. Otherwise, the kohen gadol could not serve God in the temple without those ten garments. It's one of the sorry, eight garments. Without this eight garments, he couldn't serve God in the temple. He had to have these eight garments. One of the eight garments was this hoshen. Uh, but in the, in the Second Temple, they never had the ornamentation. Urimitim. This ornamentation were never existed. It was hidden. This parchment wasn't inside it, and therefore the, the stones never lit up. The, the names of God never lit up inside all the stones. They could not communicate through the stones with God. It's a tragedy, a tragedy. In a sense. Now, it says that why did Aaron HaKohen deserve to be the high priest? How did Aaron the high priest, become the high priest? And there's, there's two reasons given. Okay, let's go through this. So the Gemara says in Shabbat 139a, Rabbi Milai says, in the merit, it says, when Moshe Rabbeinu um, became the leader at, at uh, Harsinai, when he saw the the, uh, the the burning bush, right? The burning bush, Hashem tells Moshe, he says, you're going to be the leader. You're going to lead the Jews out of the job. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, no, find someone else. He argues with God for seven days. Why was he arguing with God for seven days? And the answer, the rabbis tell us, is because he was worried about his brother Aaron, who is, right now, he was the priest in Egypt. People don't realize Aaron was a prophet before Moshe. Aaron was a prophet in Egypt. He was the leader of the Jews. His father was. Amram was the leader of the Jews. And then Aaron was the next leader in line. And Moshe Apele says, if Hashem makes me the leader, Aaron's going to get upset. I don't want to make my brother Aaron upset. That is the beauty. That is the system. We have to really worry about, what I don't want to fail my brother. I don't want my brother to feel small. I don't want to be the leader of my brother. I don't want my brother to feel jealousy. I don't want my brother to feel hatred. I don't want my brother to feel down. And that's, it says, Moshe Rabbein was arguing with God for seven days. Please send someone else. He meant his brother, Aaron. I'm not fit for this, I Send my brother, Aaron. He is the prophet. Send him. Don't, Don't put him down. I don't want to be above him. Hashem tells Moshe, finally, seventh day, he says. he says, don't worry. And what does is, what is Aaron, he says, Aaron is going to be happy. Aaron will rejoice in his heart. When he hears that you are going to be the leader, Moshe, you think he's going to be jealous? No, he's not going to be jealous. He's going to be rejoice in his heart. And Rabbi Milai says in the Gemara, he's going to rejoice in his heart. And that's why Aaron was worthy of wearing the breastplate of the Kohengadol of the on his heart. It's a proof that his heart was pure. Purity of the heart. Who had purity of his heart? Aaron was one of the most purest people in his heart, which means he never felt any ill will. He never felt any jealousy to his younger brother. Who became his own leader? Can you imagine your younger brother becomes your own leader? That's a little bit of jealousy over there. Aaron ah, was happy his heart. And that's why he deserved to become the high priest with his Hoshen, the eight garments, with a breastplate on his heart. And the Gemara says, because he merited, because he rejoiced in his heart when he saw his younger brother, Moshe Rabbein, return to Mitzrayim to Egypt as the newly appointed leader, even though it meant that Moshe would be repair, replacing himself as a leader. Aaron was the leader. He was the prophet. And now Aaron becomes number two. But Aaron is happy. I'm happy for my brother. I'm happy for myself. I'm not jealous in the least. That was the merit. The Maharajah explains, since Aaron was happy in his heart, measure for measure, he merited to wear the, this breastplate, the Choshe Mishpat, that covered his heart. The Marsha adds, this comes to stress. He was not just externally happy. Rather, he was totally glad in his heart about the success of his brother, his younger brother Moshe Rabbeinu, even though it meant he would no longer be the leader. Okay, now today we have a beautiful run. The run was Rabbeinu Nissim. Rabbeinu Nisim, he was a rabbi in Spain, one of the great Spartan rabbis in Spain in the Middle Ages. Rabbeinu Nissim has drashot, a run, of, on the Torah. He has beautiful drashot on the Torah. He discusses the deeper symbolism between Aaron's joy and the and the breastplate. He said, what exactly are the Urim V'tumim? The Urim Batumi. he said a scroll inside with God's name on it, if the Jewish people had some kind of question, they would ask the question and it would be a kind of prophecy coming out from the Urim Batumim and the high priest. So he says, the answer is because of Aaron's response to the news that Moshe Rabbein would be leading the prophet of the Jewish people in the place of Aaron. Moshe Rabbein is now going to be the leading prophet, Aaron's going to be number two, and Aaron had prophecy in the eighty years he led the Jewish people. Before Moshe not realized, Aaron was leader for eighty years. He was eighty years old, and uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was three years younger. He was leader, so from the age of three, he was, the, <laughs> he was leading the Jewish people for eighty years. And you think, you know, Aaron feel you know, Moshe Rabbeinu took over my job. A tinge of pain, a tinge of jealousy, a tinge of hurt. On the contrary, he was truly happy. And he received the reward of extra prophecy. The extra prophecy the high priest gets by wearing this, the flashing lights inside the stones. That was his reward. He had no jealousy at all. He was as happy as Moshe Rabbeinu, as, as if it was his own success. And the fact is, Moshe Rabbeinu reciprocated. Moshe Rabbeinu was also happy to see Aaron as a high priest. So they loved each other. These two brothers, this is a really important lesson for all of us, how brothers should love each other. And that was the beginning of the Geulah, redemption. You know, uh, Galut, the exile started with the brothers hating each other. The brothers of Yosef, they, they, they sold their brother. Terrible. That caused exile, literally caused exile when the brothers and sisters loved each other, Moshe Aron and Miriam. Straight away we have redemption. The same parasha they're born we have redemption. That's the key. The key to redemption is just like now, you see the the Jewish army, the Israeli army. Doesn't matter what their political views were, they're working together as a group. Doesn't matter how religious they are, what level they are, they don't want to ask questions. They're working together as a unified group. And Bezrad Hashem, when they come back, they said they're going to make a revolution in Israel to make Israel more united. Bezrad Hashem, Israel will be united. Our brothers and sisters will be united. The politics will not be as disgusting as they were before the war that caused the war, that caused the troubles. Bezra will be united. This is the key from this week's parasha is this brotherly love. imagine Moshe Abedin argues with God for seven days I can't be the leader. Why? My brother is the leader. I can't demote him. So there's a big debate over here. So Rav Yoshua Ben Korch in the Gemara says that Moshe Abedin was not punished. For arguing with God for seven days. Hashem did not get angry with Moshe. However, Rabbi Yossi disagrees. He says, No, Moshe Rabbi was punished. What was his punishment? Why was Rabbi punishment? punished? Argue with God for seven days when you had the chutzpah to argue with God for seven days, even though your motives were pure? Rabbi Yossi says, The next words show that it's a punishment. Hashem says, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levi? I know he will surely speak for you. Rabbi Yossi says, By calling Aaron a Levi, Hashem was alluding to the fact that up to then, Aaron would be a Levi. But after that, Aaron would be a Kohen. And while Moshe should have been the Kohen Gadol, imagine Moshe Abeni should have been the Kohen Gadol, but at the burning bush, because he argued seven days, he lost he lost his right to be a Kohen Gadol, and Aaron, the Levi, became the Kohen Gadol. That's Rabbi Yosef success in the Gemara. And Aaron, in a sense, was higher than Moshe in certain respects so that was his punishment yo Moshe you're worried so much about Arun's honor okay I'm going to teach you Arun will have a bigger position than you he'll be the high priest he'll be the leader he'll be the high priest so this is amazing this is an interesting idea and Moshe Abenu felt no pain at all I'm glad at least Moshe Rabbeinu, Um Moshe Rabbeinu says to himself I'm glad Arun, Arun will be recognized my older brother will get a position of high level and therefore he won't feel pain Baruch Hashem, thank God. They loved each other. These two brothers loved each other, and that's what my father taught me. One of the lessons he taught us was to always be united. You know, he always tell us the story, which is they say it was Aesop's fable, but it wasn't Aesop's fable. It was in the Gemara that uh, the, the father taught his sons before he died a lesson. He gave each one one stick, and he said, "Break it." They broke it very easily. Then he got a bundle of sticks. They gave each son the bundle of sticks to break the bundle and no one could break the bundle. It says when you are united, no one will be able to break you. But if you're untied, you know, it's interesting, the words in English are very interesting because united and untied are the same letters. It all depends where the I, the me, the I is. So the father told the sons, it's a very important lesson. My father would say this over and over again. When you are united, no one can break you. The same thing with Eretz Israel, the people of Israel, the Jews around the world. We are united. No one can break us. We have unity. We learn from this parasha. Brotherly love, sisterly love, family love, spousal love. We love each other. It doesn't pay to fight each other. We're stronger when you're united. Hashem will see our unity. Hashem will give strength to his people. Hashem will bless his people with peace. And I've heard many times, Rabbi Bakshi Doron, a former chief of Rabbi Bishra, who says, this is one of his main drashot, we'll only have peace if Hashem will give us oz. He gives us strength. When Hashem will give us strength, then Hashem will give us peace. The key to peace is strength. We have to be strong, and the way to be strong is unity, and Baruch Hashem right now, we're all united, but Yerushalayim sure will stay united before the war, after the war, always will stay united. It's a big lesson, and we have to learn that lesson, and there's a lesson this with Prasha, or the brotherly love our own. So let's just recap. One more important message is, the way you start the mitzvah is the way we should end the mitzvah. With enthusiasm, with gusto, let's make our Havdalahs great again. And this, this class, all my classes on Torah anytime, and if you visit the site, Torah Anytime site, please Press follow, so you'll get all the classes automatically. You won't have to look for them. Be, every time a new class comes out, you'll get it. And we'll see you, best Radha, right at the same time, same channel. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.